Good morning, good morning. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to get there in just a moment. Matthew chapter 9. Every now and then my son will ask me if I want to play chess with him. Uh, and I tell him, no, your dad does not know how to play chess. Okay, go ask your mom. However, I will play checkers with you, okay? So they're played on the same board, little different pieces. You know, checkers. You play checkers. You set up the board like you, like you should. You kind of determine however it is that whoever goes first, and, and you start moving, and you kind of have to be strategic depending on what happens and what the other person does. But in checkers, I would say what I know about chess, your success depends on what moves you make. Your success depends on the moves you make. And in a much greater way, the the restoration and salvation of people is depending on the moves that we make in our world, that, that we are willing to join the mission of God to reach a lost and dying world. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16, it says this, God says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strays, I will bandage the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. That it is the mission of God to seek and save those who are lost and those who are hurting. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of his, he has called you to get in the game. He's called you to get in on that mission to reach the world around you. We can't reach everybody But we each can reach the world God has planted us in. And so the question for us is, what will be our move? What's our move? What's our role? What's our place in reaching the world? And so we're starting a sermon series this week. It'll go for several weeks called Your Move, uh, because we will discuss several moves or actions that you can take to join God and reach the world around you. And so each week we'll talk about one different move and want to let you know that, that some of these words, some of these moves were uh, from this book called One Day at a Time by Kyle Eidelman. And so uh, it's not a book like that, that everything's going to be from, but if you wanted to read that and look at it, it'll help you even as we talk about this in here, One Day at a Time by Kyle Eidelman. And even some of the words and action steps are from that book. So I want to let you know that if you want to read a little more. And so this week, the move that we're going to talk about, the move that, that we can take and join God is this, is noticing. Noticing that when you think about that word notice, it means that, that you become aware, you become attentive to certain things. If you've ever bought a new car, whether it was new or new to you, and you bought that car, it is, isn't amazing how you notice how many other people drive the same car that you do. Uh, you, your eyes are open, you begin to notice that. I, I drive a black Toyota Tacoma and, and I notice just about every black Toyota Tacoma I pass because it's like mine, because it's important to me, you could say. And so as we read Matthew chapter 9 and we get into Matthew chapter 9, Matthew does an incredible way of highlighting what Jesus saw and what Jesus noticed in the world around him. Specifically, Matthew chapter 8, chapter 9, they kind of go together. It's Matthew's account of Jesus' early days when he was walking around Galilee, that that part of Israel that's in the north around the Sea of Galilee. And so he kind of highlights and helps us understand what Jesus saw and what Jesus 
Notice you could go through there and see how many times it, it was shown that Jesus saw this or Jesus saw that and what he noticed. And, and so we come to Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 35. We'll start. These are like summary statements of all that he's written in chapter 8, chapter 9. Uh, if you look at chapter 10, it's a total transition in the narrative. So this is kind of a summary of everything Jesus did and saw and noticed in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. We'll jump in there. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages in Galilee, in this region of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus went a lot of places and saw a lot of people. Scholars estimate during that time that there were upwards of 3 million people living in this region of Galilee because of the soil and the farming, because of the sea and the fishing. And there were a lot of people, and it says Jesus went kind of from town to town, village to village. And as he traveled, what what did he see? When he looked at people, what did he notice? What did he notice? My wife likes to tell me that I'm a pretty particular person, that I like things a certain way. Anybody else like that? Don't be ashamed, huh? You like things a certain way? Like, for example, if I'm walking through the house and there's a drawer left open or a cabinet door open, that bothers me, okay? Like, just something is not right and it has to be made right. And so I can't help myself but go over there and close the drawer or close the door. That's just the way things should be that because of the way I'm wired, certain things bother me and I'm kind of moved to action. Well, we'll see in Matthew chapter 9, because of who Jesus was, the, the Son of God, because he, he noticed certain things in his world, he, he was bothered by it and it moved him to action so much so that he would go into the synagogues, it say. The people, his fellow Jewish uh, brothers and sisters, and he would go in there and, and, and teach them the word of God, how he was the Messiah, that he would go among the lost and the Gentiles and he would preach the kingdom of God, it says, because they needed to hear some things. And then it, it said when he encountered people who were not physically able or there was an illness or sickness that he would heal them. We would say that he brought physical and spiritual restoration into his world because of the things he saw because of the things he noticed. And so really that, that's the goal of this whole sermon series is that you and I would see things like Jesus. We would notice certain things. We would be moved deep inside and we would take action and we'd bring that kind of restoration to the world around us. Well, Matthew gets a little more specific about what Jesus saw and noticed in verse 36. So pick up Matthew 9 verse 36. He says, when he Saw those crowds, those crowds of people when he went to all these villages. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because he noticed something. He noticed they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word when it says that he had compassion on them. If you were alive during his day, what you would have heard him say or Matthew say about him is that he was moved in his stomach he was moved in in his bowels literally that means and and their day and time the the heart and mind were kind of the same thing they were the center of your will and your decisions but but the stomach and your intestines and your were the seat of like your emotions and your feelings and so it what, what does that say is that when Jesus saw the world around him he he had a gut-wrenching feeling about what was going on 
that he felt that deep inside he had that kind of love and compassion for them because of what he noticed. And so as you go about your week this week, think about the places you go. You go to work, you go to school, you go into stores, you go in your neighborhood, even when you go home. What do you see? What do you notice about the people in your world? Do you have that level of of reaction or compassion towards those people? I'm talking about specifically people who are far from God. People who don't know Christ. Some that that would would proclaim that, that I I don't know Jesus and I don't want to know him. Some would would not be sure and, and you're not real sure, but you know they're not really living for Christ and and some that just, by whatever chance, they're, they're just not believers. And so when you see them, what, what do you notice? Do you, do you have compassion on them? And so today, what, what I want us to, to do is to talk about three action steps. that How we can see or notice our world like Jesus does. How then maybe we can have compassion for people. And that compassion would be so deep that it would cause us to move. To do something about our world. All right, so let, let me tell you the first action step. First action step that hopefully we can see like Jesus, have compassion like him, is notice their condition. Notice their condition. Again, go back to 36. He had compassion. Why? Because he saw them harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. All of those words, if you were in his day reading what Matthew said, you would have understood that the harassed and helpless were words that, that, that dealt with or related to shepherding related to sheep. Our English words come across like that to bring meaning to us. But here's what it literally meant. Here's what Jesus is saying. People without a shepherd. So what does Jesus mean? That means people that don't have a shepherd. That's someone that is not over them. People who have not submitted to Jesus as Lord. They're living without a shepherd. He says first they're, they're harassed. That, that word literally means they're, they're faint. They're despondent. They don't know what to do. You know, if you were a literal sheep, that means if you didn't have a shepherd and you were hungry, you were thirsty, you were trying to find where you were to go, where you would become weak and faint and despondent because you had no one to provide for you. You had no one to, to lead you. And in the same way in this world, there are people, though they may not know it and recognize it, they're despondent, they're faint because, because of, of their own thirst, their own appetites that have led them astray, that have brought them great grief and shame that have brought them into certain kinds of captivity and bondage because of their sin and and they're harassed by the enemy they're harassed by the world they're they're tossed to and fro and and guess what they're living without a shepherd there's there's no one to really provide for them And, and, and Jesus says they're also helpless so for a sheep if you are helpless that word literally means to be thrown down so for a sheep, that meant you were on, on your back, all, all fours up in the air, and, and sheep have a hard time getting up from that position. So if you're a sheep, there's not a shepherd around, that means you're exposed and vulnerable, doesn't it? That if an enemy were to come upon you, that, that they could take advantage of that, they could kill you, they could, they could destroy you in that moment. And Jesus is saying, there are people in this world, when I look out, they're living without a shepherd, and because of that, they're exposed and vulnerable to the world, to sin to the enemy and they have no one to protect them they have no one because they're trying to fix their own predicament they're trying to do it all on their own but Jesus said they're harassed and helpless and so my question for us today when we look at those people in our world people who are far from God people who don't know Jesus how do we see them 
Do we see them just for, for their actions and their words? Do we just see what's on the outside? Are we repulsed? Are, are we kind of judgmental of that because maybe they aren't acting and talking like we think they should, like they should in the world? Or, or do we see the inside of their heart that deep down inside, regardless of what's on the outside, we know the spiritual condition of the heart. That without a shepherd, they're going to be harassed. They're going to be faint. They're going to be despondent. And they're also helpless. That there's no way they're going to fix their own soul without a shepherd. Do you see people that way? Do you understand? Are you, are you more judgmental or are you more compassionate toward them? Jesus saw them with the eyes of compassion. He saw their true condition. Whether they understood it or not, he knew people were, were like that. They were, they were harassed and helpless. So first, notice their condition, man. See people for who they are. You may hear or see something on the outside, but understand what that heart condition is bringing about. And so notice their condition. Second one is this, notice their worth. If you want to have compassion and be moved to reach people for Christ, notice people's worth. And so when I was preparing this message, I did some uh, research uh, about some certain common things in our world that are worth a lot of money. For example, uh, I learned this, that, that one time on Lady Gaga, what was out on tour, okay, most of us know Lady Gaga, uh, you know, kind of a, a pop culture uh, phenomenon, you know, singer, actor, actress, all these things. And so Lady Gaga is on tour. She's wearing acrylic nails. Men, that, that's like fake nails made of acrylic, okay? That's what they are. So they're wearing, a, a, she's wearing acrylic nails. Sometime during the concert, one of them breaks off, falls to the ground. Someone picks up that acrylic nail, somehow has proof that it's hers, sells it on eBay for $12,000, okay? A fingernail, not even her fingernail, an acrylic fingernail, okay? I also read about another guy who who was in the band One Direction. Some of you know that. Niall, okay, maybe you know him. He was in there, singer-songwriter. He was on a, a morning show in Australia now, and they in the green room fixing some food. And, and right before he goes on the show, he, he has some toast. I mean, toast. Many of you ate toast before you came. He takes one bite of that piece of toast, leaves, goes on the show, does his interview, whatever. Someone that works there or something finds this piece of toast, somehow sells it, the word is, for $100,000, okay? A piece of toast, people, for $100,000, an acrylic nail, a piece of bread, something that, depending on how much you pay, you know, just pennies or a dollar, just something very small, but, but catch what, what, what the lesson is here. It's something that may seem insignificant, something that may seem uh, not very much value or unworthy, that their worth and value changes because they're touched by somebody really important, right? Because they're marked by someone of extreme value. And listen, as you go around your world, as you look in the eyes of people around you, though on the outside, people may not seem worthy of your love. They may not seem worthy of compassion. Deep down inside, they may not feel worthy. They may not feel of great value, but they were made in the image of God. And because they're made in the image of God, they have great value. They have intrinsic worth because they bear the mark of their Creator. It doesn't mean that they're living with him as a shepherd, but they were created by him, and Jesus loves them. Jesus loved them enough that that he loved his own creation, that he was willing to leave heaven and come to this earth and not just live, but to die 
for them. Listen, every person that you see, every person in your world that's far from God, that doesn't know Jesus, is someone for whom Jesus died. That Jesus made the, the, the choice, the volitional choice to come and die for them. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a series of, of stories about people who were lost and found. And he tells a story about sheep. You remember this? He, he, he says that, that there were a, a shepherd had a hundred sheep and, and one of them wandered away. And, and that shepherd loved and valued that one sheep enough that he left the 99 to go find and rescue the one. Listen, that's all of our stories. That's your story. That's mine. That's the person who is very far from God. That, that Jesus loves them enough that he will leave the 99 to go and search just of them because they have that value to him and they love him. Listen, every person you meet has that worth. Do you see that in them? Do you, do you want them to know that? That they were created by someone who loves them and, and wants to restore them. So we, we notice their condition, the condition of the heart. We notice their worth. And then finally, just uh, I want to say this last action step is, is to consider his, his mercy. Consider God's mercy toward them. And so as we're thinking about what is our move to reach people in this world for Christ, to, to let them know to, to, that, that Jesus loves them and died for them and, and he wants to save them, as we think about their condition, man, how they're broken on the inside. We think about their worth, that they're a creation of God that, that he longs to restore, don't Don't discount God's mercy. And why do I say that? Because there's no one that you're going to meet that's too far gone. There's no one that you're going to talk to that is beyond the mercy of God. That there's no mind too obstinate. There's no heart too cold that can't be melted and changed by the mercy of God. What what did Paul say? How did he describe God? Ephesians 2, 4, that God is rich in mercy. And that God is rich in mercy. He lavishes his mercy upon us. And so even the person with the hardest heart, as you, you, you share Christ with them, as you tell them about Jesus, that as they hear about God's mercy and kindness can melt their heart. As you notice, don't, don't forget that. Don't, don't cast them off or write them off as beyond God's mercy, that God's mercy can reach the coldest of hearts. And he can change them radically. And, and, and that all is affected by how we see people, how we notice them. So that's kind of our, our first move, our, our first step in, in reaching the world and joining God on mission is that we notice. We notice their condition, their worth, and then we understand God's mercy and how it factors in to all of that. And so I want to show you this display. You've maybe seen it up here as kind of I've been preaching. And so this is our year move display. It's going to go along with the sermon series. It's going to be out in the lobby every week. This will just be up here uh, beginning this week just to kind of explain what's going on. So this is a way that you can personally respond to what God's calling you to do through this sermon series, through this initiative, that you can respond and you can make a move to reach people for Christ. So let, let me explain kind of what's going on. We have three different colors of ping pong balls and you kind of see that reflected. And so I want to explain every one of them. So uh, we have orange ping pong balls, okay? And they all represent something. So the orange is going to represent people that you commit to pray for. So I want you right now just to think about one or two or three people in your world that you encounter that, that are far from God. That they don't know Christ. And 
Some people you may say, you know, I'm not sure, but I know they don't go to church and they're not really seeking the Lord or, or you know for certain they're not. So think about one or two or three of those people. And so on this display out in the lobby after the service today, you can get an orange ping pong ball and it represents that you're going to commit to pray for that person from now through the next several weeks up till Easter. And you're praying that God would speak to them, that God would, would save their heart, that God would restore them. And so that's a move you can make. You can say, yes, I'm thinking of a person and I'm going to commit to pray for them. I'm going to commit to pray for them. And then, then the white ping pong ball represents an invitation, represents inviting that, that we all have people who are far from God, who don't know Christ, that we can invite to join us at church. You know, maybe it's, hey, come with me. I'm coming to worship 1030 next Sunday. Would you come with me? Or, or, hey, I'm going to this life group on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Would you come join me? Or, or, or Wednesday night, hey, we have Pursuit or Forge or growth groups or whatever it is. I have this band of brothers group. Would you come and join me? Now, listen, the emphasis is on your move, on invitation. You, you can't say yes for other people, but you can't say no either, okay? That you just do the invitation and you allow God to work in their heart. You, you allow them to, to say yes or no, but this is for people you already have invited. So, so hopefully this week, as you think about it, as you have opportunity, you would invite people to come to church with you. And so when you show up here next Sunday, you say, you know, I've invited two people to church, and then you would put two white ping pong balls in here to, to just signify that you've invited those people. And so last but not least are the green ping pong balls, and those represent spiritual conversations. The green represents spiritual conversations that with people in your world who are far from God, who don't know Christ, uh, that you would talk to them about the Lord. And listen, I I termed it spiritual conversation because not every conversation is the same. For those of us who've grown up, you know, like in in Baptist circles and evangelical world, you know, there's sometimes conversations we can have that involve certain verses in Romans. We can do the four spiritual laws where it's always a a very... uh, elaborate conversation that ends with an invitation to find Christ. And those are, are definitely spiritual conversations. And I would encourage you to have those. But I recognize not every conversation is made equal. You're, you're not always going to have the same amount of time. You're not going to always have the same context. There may be other people around. But you can still talk to people about the Lord. You can still, in your own context and situation, bring up things that pertaining to the specific situation you're in with someone. Maybe it's an issue at work. Maybe it's an issue at home. But, but someone who's far from the Lord, who doesn't know Christ, would you just talk to them about the things of the Lord? And so if you do that throughout the week and you had two great spiritual conversations throughout the week, you know, or even if they're conversations you didn't think went well, but, but you tried, man, go ahead and put a green ping pong ball in here. And so, so each of those, you pray, you invite, you have spiritual conversation. And so what, what the emphasis is on is your move. It's not on results. We could have easily gone, you know, people who have come to church, people who have been baptized, people who have been saved, and, and those things are worthy to track. And we do track those somewhat. We track attendance. We track people who have been saved. We track people who have been baptized. But listen, the emphasis, what we want to track is what we can do. Because that shows that, that we're going to do what God's called us to do, and then we're going to trust him for the results. Listen, I'm going to pray for people, not knowing what God will do in their heart, how they're going to respond. But what I can do is I can pray for them. I can invite people. I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know if they're going to come on the first time. You'd be surprised. You invited them months ago, and then months later, 
they take you up on it. So you just invite them, not knowing how they respond. And then same with a spiritual conversation. As you're talking with them about things from the Lord, as they're far from God, you never know how God can use your conversation. You just trust the Lord to work. What's going to be your move? I encourage you, they're going to have that out in the lobby. And so after this service, definitely I think we can all commit to pray. Pray for somebody. So I encourage you to drop that orange ping pong ball, committing to pray for them. As we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. Like when you're at Target or at Walmart and you're there in the checkout line, what do you notice? Like you're standing there in line and what, what do you notice? Can you kind of put yourself there? Well, I think what you see, what you notice depends on your perspective. If you're tall, you can kind of see over everybody, right? You can see, man, they have a lot in their cart. I'm not sure how long this is going to be. Or you can see what, what they're buying. You think, huh, that's interesting. You know, you, you have a different perspective, right? And, and if you're my, my size, I'm just kind of average height. And then when I'm seeing around, I can't see over, but, but I'm kind of looking at maybe the magazines there or man, those chips, those look really good there, you know? And if you're a kid and you're really short, they, they put that sugar candy right there on eye level for them, Right? You know, that, that's what they see. That's what they notice. It all just depends on your perspective, what you see, what you notice. And so today as I wrap up that, that I hope and pray that we would have a Christ-like perspective. As we go about our world, as we leave this place, even maybe you're going to a restaurant right now and I mean, that, that, that waitress or waiter literally seems harassed and helpless. But maybe there's something deeper going on that you, you would notice their condition, notice their worth, and see them with the eyes of Christ that as you go about your work and school, wherever you go, that we would have the eyes of Christ. We would have his perspective. We would be moved with compassion, and we would act. Would you pray with me? As you bow your heads, I'm about to pray, remind you there are ministers here at the front, out in the lobby that would love to talk with you, would love to pray with you about any spiritual need that you have. Father, we thank you for today. God, we we thank you for your word and we thank you for the example of Christ that as he encountered so many people, God, from from, from just the the gamut of humanity, God, that that regardless of what they said, what they did, that he saw them with the eyes of compassion, that he saw the true condition of their heart and he was moved to action. God, may that be true of us, that you would open up our eyes. God, people in our world that we would tend to maybe be judgmental toward, that we would have compassion toward them because you would give us insight into what's going on in their lives. Be compassionate, want to help. God, show us our move. Help us to pray for people, God, for their salvation. We know that by praying, God, you'll, you'll give us chances then to act. And God, by inviting people, God, give us those opportunities just to ask. God, not knowing what they'll say. And then help us to actually declare the words of Christ and and speak about spiritual things to people and, and allow you then just to, to, to direct that conversation where you would lead it, God. Help us to move, to join you so, God, that we could reach this world for your glory. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Have a great week.